In the holy name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Rush hour driving, people cutting in line, a co-worker working just enough to not get fired, and long sermons. These are all things that get under our skin. We do all get angry with people at some time, but anger is simply an emotion. It's your body's way of telling you that your will has been blocked. What you want to happen isn't happening. Or what you don't want to happen is happening. Anger isn't necessarily the problem, but what you do with it is. Now, Jesus refuses anger today. But if we know our Gospels, we know that Jesus actually looks with anger on those who could change things and don't. In the Gospel of Mark, chapter 3. So there are really two types of anger in the Gospels. And today's anger, the anger that's described in the Gospel of Matthew, is the one that is really all about you. Your pride, your anger, your ego. All the attempts to protect, defend, and prop up the little kingdoms that we like to be king and judge and executioner in. This anger essentially takes God out of the center and puts ourselves there. And of course, if you know anything of your own heart, if you're really honest, you know you have this ability to rationalize revenge and retribution. You know being judge isn't a good thing. Now contrasting this, if we were to read the entire scripture, we would see that God's judgment on the world and on you is forgiven. Because in Jesus Christ, God's own Son, He bore the brunt of all the anger in the universe from when time began to when time ends. He bore the brunt of the anger on the cross. And now the world has nothing to fear. God isn't angry with us. He can't be, because from his perspective, there is nothing to be angry about. Since God isn't angry and his judgment is forgiven, your own anger now becomes unnecessary, as much as it is simply wrong. When you put yourself in the judgment seat with an unforgiving heart, bad things happen. Adultery, divorce, and making promises you can't keep. And when your anger is about getting your own way, then your life just simply isn't about the good of others. It's really just about you, and you can't get past yourself. And I don't think anybody wants to raise their hand and says, to say, yes, pastor, I want to live a self-centered life. See, rather than being angry, there is still an, a powerful emotion that actually aligns itself with Jesus. This is the other anger that's in the Gospel of Mark. But in the Gospel of Matthew, it's better characterized as activism for justice and mercy. See, this emotion that works justice and mercy is the light of Jesus in a darkened world. It's the city that's set on top of a hill. It is that which doesn't relax God's word, but emboldens us to actually live it out. And frankly, there are things we need to be passionate about and call others out. 
Because that's what Jesus does. Jesus says to the wealthy, share your wealth with the poor. Jesus says to those who are full, share your food with those who are hungry. Jesus says to the free, visit those who are in prison. And those who are healthy, care for the sick. And those who are loved, love the unloved and the lonely. See, when Jesus actually does these things, not only talks about them, but actually does them, conflict, in fact, does arise. Read the Gospels. Conflict arises because people actually don't really want to work for justice. And they don't want to show mercy. Because it's hard. It actually might require you to gouge your eye out or cut off your hand, as in the Gospel reading. It might require something very hard to do. The thing is, though, when Jesus does these things, even though the conflict, in the end, good deeds are done. Lives are restored. Those who are sick become healed, and things happen. You see, with anger, action is very close behind. I mean, it could be in your thoughts, as Jesus describes, adultery in your hearts, or it could be physical with your body. Either way, some action is produced. I mean, have you ever been around someone who's really angry? There's a lot of energy that comes from anger. Even if someone is depressed or tired, push their buttons, and they will do something that even frightens us. Because anger sometimes makes us do things we thought we never would do. But the wonderful thing is, is that the passion for justice and mercy can actually make us do something that we thought we would never do. I have an example on the front of the bulletin to demonstrate this. Thomas More, 16th century guy from England, he's wrongfully executed because he actually chose to follow God rather than country. See, his passion for his Lord meant that he did cry out against that which was wrong. Then, when it came time to be martyred, he wasn't angry. He still sided with Jesus and forgave those who executed him, just like Jesus did when he prayed for forgiveness for those who nailed him to the cross. See, whether Thomas was emboldened by calling out those who could change things and didn't, or by praying for forgiveness for those who executed him, either way, Jesus or Thomas stood with Jesus. Anger was refused. Faithfulness, integrity lived. And Thomas did something he thought he never would or could do. Thus the passion that emboldens the Christian to lead a life of action ends in a life for the world. So perhaps now we'd ask ourselves, what was the last thing we actually got angry about? Was it about ourselves? Our little kingdoms. If it was, we need to refuse that anger. But if we got angry because someone was unloved, and we know that person needs to be loved, then perhaps those feelings weren't the feelings of anger that Jesus refuses today. But they were the emotions of justice and mercy, an echo of the passion of Jesus to make wrongs right. 
If that's the case, then this passion actually leads to restoration. It leads to peace and healing because it's energized, it's empowered by the Holy Spirit. So this passion isn't about telling someone else what to do, but it's about finding your spot and actively living it out. Gone are the days now when you do nothing. In engaging the world in service to Christ and his neighbor, your life now will be incorporated into a mission that's much bigger than yourself. Something that's life-changing and world-changing. In a sense, finding your spot here at St. John will mean being part of something special. So think about what your life is like. Are your passions being lived out so that there is more love, more faithfulness, more peace, more truth in the world? If it's not, continue to search for your spot. Because I know it's here. And your neighbor is ready to be loved. In the holy name of Jesus, amen. Amen.